0: Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. This is the first Shabbat after a Passover week. I believe it's a great time of joy and anticipation. We are counting down towards Shavuot. It's a wonderful time of the year. It's also a time when we remember the death and the burial and the resurrection of Yeshua and his return to heaven. He returned to heaven so that he could send the promised Holy Spirit. Some people think that All that Yeshua needed to accomplish was accomplished when he gave up his life as a sacrifice on the cross. And when he said it was finished, I believe he was talking about the atoning sacrifice being accomplished and finished. But he said there was more he needed to do, that he would need to return to heaven in order to send the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit and that his disciples should wait expectantly, and that they should stay together and not scatter, and that they should receive uh, the blessings that come by being together. So this is a time to celebrate resurrection and the ascension of Yeshua and the promise that Yeshua made to us to pour out the Holy Spirit. And I want to speak today about the hope and the power of resurrection life. Some people ask, do, do Messianic Jews believe in resurrection? And the answer is absolutely. And some people might say, I have some Gentile Christian friends who, who we don't quite fit into their structure and categories and ways of, and ways, if I can put it that way. And and so they they wonder, well, how do you or when do you celebrate the resurrection if you don't celebrate Easter? Because for them, Easter is that point in time of celebrating. And I was thinking about that, and I think, you know, we celebrate the resurrection every day and every Shabbat. In, In fact, we celebrate and commemorate and declare the resurrection power every time that we say uh, the Amida prayers and the Geburah, which, which speaks of the power of God. And I've spoken of this recently, and I'm going to keep speaking about it, because for many people, this is a, this is a secret. For many Jewish people... It's, it's not widely recognized that we as Jews of every kind declare that God is powerful and he raises the dead. And so in the Gevara, we declare, You are mighty forever. You raise the dead. You're mighty to save. And so we declare that. There are are some Jewish congregations that say that in Hebrew, but not in English. And then there are some people in synagogues who don't understand the Hebrew that they're saying, or all of it. And so some of this is, is expressed without understanding. But it goes on, and it says, I'll just read the English, You sustain the living with grace. Resurrect the dead with abundant mercy. Uphold the falling, heal the sick, set free those in bondage, and keep faith with those that sleep in the dust. Who is like you, master of mighty deeds, and who can compare to you, king, who causes death and restores life and makes salvation sprout? And you are faithful to resurrect the dead. Blessed are you, O Lord, who resurrects the dead. I've had to explain to family and friends at different times, that the traditional uh, way of mourning, the traditional Jewish way of mourning, is to praise God and to declare that He is the Lord who gives life and who will raise the dead. And so that's part of it. And and I've had uh, friends and family that didn't understand that. And it's important for you and for me and for all of us to understand that when we are seeking comfort from the Lord during times of mourning and when we are in a position of wondering what is next in this uncertain and sometimes troubled world, it's necessary for us to remind ourselves of the power of God. Don't forget his benefits. Don't forget his promises. Now, if you tell people, yeah, our congregation believes in healing, our congregation believes in in, um, praying for the sick, and we believe in God raising the dead, some people will think, oh, that means that you're a Pentecostal or a charismatic congregation, and I would say, no, actually, that means we're a Messianic Jewish congregation because Messianic Jews hold on to these truths of God. These truths don't go away simply because they're adopted by other groups as well, or carried on by other groups. Now, we can do it our way, others can do it their way, but what I'm saying to you is important, I believe, because we need to be able to make sense to ourselves and to be able to understand where do we stand regarding certain matters. And it's important to know how you how you understand what the scriptures say and what our Hebrew prayers say, so that you can get the benefits. So we're talking during the season about what's ahead, and part of what's ahead is anticipation. If you don't enjoy the the period of waiting, then you're missing out on something. Those who wait on the Lord will, will renew their strength. Some people think that waiting just means getting exhausted. I've waited so long. And some people feel like if you're waiting, then the answer must be no. That you're not going to get what you're waiting for. And, And I can understand that because I remember when our kids were young and they would be impatient and they would ask for questions. They would ask about certain things and I would say, we'll see or we'll talk about this later. And sometimes they would say, well, I want an answer now. And I say, well, if you want an answer now, the answer is no. But if you can wait, we'll see what the answer is. Now, I don't know that the Lord is like that. If you want an answer now, the answer is no. But some people act like, um, while you're waiting, it must mean that you're just going to get worn out. And there's a certain... Aspect to that, that is true. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah, it's true. And that's why we have to keep uh, paying attention to our hope and we have to measure our hope. You need something that's like a thermometer that can measure hope. There isn't something except um, the way you think and the way you feel. I woke up the other day and I felt kind of sad. Yeah, and so I said to the Lord, I feel kind of sad. It's good to give a name to it. And we processed that. And after a while, my body didn't feel sad, and I was just back to normal. And then I woke up the next day, and I felt kind of happy. And so I said to the Lord, I'm feeling kind of happy today. And I said to him, I'm feeling good Things that I did, I'm not feeling the way I was feeling the day before. I was taking my temperature, my, my, the, the condition of my heart and my mind and my thoughts, and processing them with the Lord, not just privately experiencing them or thinking that these will have total control over me. But I was saying to the Lord, there's more than this feeling, and more than what this body is feeling. There are times when we are waiting on the Lord, and you know what that purpose of waiting is for, is so that we can renew our strength. The waiting will actually help us renew our strength. The waiting will help us get ready for that which we are hoping for and that which we are waiting for as long as we're waiting on the Lord. Now, waiting on the Lord means waiting on Him. It means seeking Him. It means processing things with Him. It means walking with Him. It means uh, praying to Him and talking to Him and listening to Him. It means all of that. You don't wait on the Lord um, passively. We wait on the Lord with expectation. Sometimes I compare it to waiting on a bus. If you're waiting on a bus, you know the most important thing is to go to the bus stop. Right? You go to where the bus goes by. Staying home will never help you catch a bus. Waiting on the Lord is not exactly the same, but how is it similar? You've got to go to where the Lord is. It's good to gather together. It's good to spend time together. If you can't be here physically, it's good to be present uh, through live stream or through podcast. It's good to interact. It's, It's good not just to be alone, but even if you are alone, you can be with the Lord because the Lord can be with you. So don't get stuck in all this stuff, and some people are inclined to get stuck. But I want to encourage you to keep in your heart the hope and the power of resurrection life. This is one of our distinctives as a Messianic congregation. We believe in the Messiah who was raised from the dead. And I want to reflect on death particularly the death of three people who are mentioned in Scripture, Joseph, Moses, and Yeshua. And I also want to recall the Ezekiel 37 prophecy from the Haftor last weekend about the Valley of Dry Bones, the dry bones of Israel. The prophet Ezekiel saw the dry bones of Israel, and the Lord told him, to prophesy to those bones that they would live, and to even speak to the Spirit of God and say, come, Spirit of God, from the four corners of the world, and breathe on these. And I believe, I believe that the God of Israel wants us in this hour, in this day, in this time, in this season, in this generation, to cherish that promise of revival for our people and to hold on to that prophetic vision that he gave to Ezekiel. I I think the Messianic movement is called to be a confirmation of that promise, to revive our people, and the Messianic movement is also called to be a visible expression of the promise. And if we are to be both, that means we have enough of God's promise and enough of his prophetic insight and power that we can see things and situations and people that are dead and we can speak life to them. We're called to be faithful to our God and to our people. And as we're preparing for Shavuot, just like the Ezekiel 37 prophecy, we realize that our people cannot be fully alive without the Holy Spirit. The disciples of Yeshua could not fulfill the calling that they had without the Holy Spirit. Do you remember when, he told, when Yeshua told his disciples that they would be witnesses on his behalf in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world? But he said, don't try yet. Stay here and wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. And so you learn something. Don't try without the Holy Spirit. Don't try without having received from God His personal presence and investment in you and His leadership to you. Don't try because you can't fulfill it. You can't fulfill the mission or the mandate. And you might say, well, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's silly. Because the Torah mentions the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1, verse 2. It'd be silly not to believe in the Holy Spirit. And it would be silly to believe in Yeshua who promised the Holy Spirit and poured out the Holy Spirit. So to believe in Him includes believing in what He said and what He taught about the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not believe in certain ways that people behave when they say they're being led by the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've had the experience of seeing people do questionable things. Or confuse being led by the Spirit with, with something else but we all need the Holy Spirit to live the life of faith in Messiah. And we need confidence, and we need faith that comes from the Holy Spirit. And we need love. We need hearts filled with love, and we need hearts filled with compassion for those who need personal revival and for those who need renewal. So when you look upon people in your life who need more from God, and they're not necessarily wanting it, then just remember those dry bones can live yet again. And I hope as we're studying that you will be built up and strong in faith and that Hashem would use this time to build you up for the high calling that we have together. So three deaths, Joseph, Moses, Yeshua, the death of Joseph first, And we're going to look at one of the last references. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. So this is written to Messianic Jews. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his bones. So Joseph's end was near, and yet he was speaking about his confidence and his trust about the promised exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. And he gave instructions about his bones. He was basically saying to them, I'm going to die here in Egypt, but don't leave me in Egypt. There is coming a time when we will leave Egypt and we will go back to the promised land. And he gave instructions about his bones, and his wishes were honored. They were honored because people remembered, and they communicated what they knew, and they took it seriously. In fact, Genesis 50 says that Joseph took it so seriously, he made the sons of Israel promise to fulfill his instructions. It's Genesis 50, verse 26 verses 25 and 26. It says, Joseph made the sons of Israel take an oath and said, God will surely attend to you, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and they embalmed his body and placed it in a coffin in Egypt. So he made them promise, and that promise had to carry on for however many generations, however many decades or even centuries it took for the exodus to be fulfilled. The book Exodus tells us that Moses was faithful to fulfill the instructions. Exodus 13 verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, Because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear a solemn oath when he said, God will surely attend to you, and then you must carry my bones with you from this place. Take me with you. There's a song, if you're going, take me with you. That's what Joseph required of the children of Israel. When you go, when it's time take me with you. And you know what that means? You have to take it seriously and then you have to tell the next generation, take this seriously. Then you have to tell the next generation and the next generation. How many of you know the game of telephone? You know, uh, one version we practiced when we were little kids, like in kindergarten, we'd sit in a circle. The teacher would come and whisper in one of our ears a certain phrase or statement, and then we'd whisper that to the next person, and it'd go all the way around the circle, and then the last person had to say what it was that they had heard, and in almost every case, it was nothing like the original. How many played that game? You remember it? So you know how things can get distorted, but This word that Joseph had had to be conveyed from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. Moses took it seriously. And then Joshua and the Israelites did their part as well, because Moses didn't actually enter the promised land, but those who did enter the promised land, Joseph and those after him, honored the instructions and the promise. And Joshua 24, verse 32, says it clearly. And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. So it's really clear that this was taken seriously. And that is meant to inspire us that what God wants to do requires generations listening to each other, but generations talking to each other. And one of the most important things that we can get from Passover is that it is a time where one generation tells another generation what God has done. And we learn to do that. We learn to tell our generations and to tell our stories. And one last detail is in the Gospel of John that makes it clear that in his generation, the Jewish people were still honoring the memory of Joseph. John 4, verse 5 says, Now Yeshua had to pass through Samaria, and so he came to a town of Samaria called Sechar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And so they're remembering the details, Joseph had said, carry my bones back when you go. Not if you go. One of the very last things that Joseph was doing in in his ministry to his family and his people was to say, there's coming a time where we will leave this place and we will go to the promised land. Take me when you go. I'm going with you. That's what he was saying. When you go. Joseph had faith for the long haul, and he was counting on the future that God had promised to Abraham and the children of Israel. And it was a future that was centered in the promised land, not in Egypt. They had a life in Egypt, and Egypt was important to them, but their ultimate future was elsewhere, and they counted on future generations keeping faith with them and with God and with God's promises. So we build relationships together so that we can keep telling one another about the faithfulness of God so that we can pass from one generation to the next the faith that has sustained us. Now remember this, Moses died before Israel went into the promised land. He brought Israel as far as he could, as far as the Lord allowed him, but he counted on Joshua to keep the faith, and he counted on the generations after Joshua to keep the faith. Moses died before the children of Israel got into the promised land, but they did get into the promised land. And so Moses demonstrates for us the the linkage between generations that each of us does our part but our part can never be in isolation it also has to be in relation to those that will carry on without us imagine if joseph had thought that everything that god had in mind to do for the children of Israel, was directly connected to his own lifetime and experience. If that were the case, when Joseph dies, it's over. Now everybody's going to blend into Egypt. But that wasn't the case. What if Moses thought that way when he dies, that it's over? But it wasn't over, right? It kept going. Now, I'm talking about some death and some things like that. Don't read between the lines. I got a great report from my doctor. Um, I I told you about this a couple of weeks ago, but I had a two-year uh, checkup after my uh, open-heart surgery, and I had a stress EKG, cholesterol checked, all that, and I'm doing good. So it, it's not like... I'm talking about this, and you should read between the lines. It's like, I think Rabbi David is like. (laughs) No. Moses was buried in a grave by the Lord. No one knows where it is except the Lord. That's what Deuteronomy 34, verse 5 and 6 says. So Moses, the servants of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, as the Lord had said, and the Lord buried Moses in a valley in the land of Moab facing Beth Peor, and no one to this day knows the location of the grave. Now let's go to the third death, the death of Yeshua. Some of the details are different. Really different. Because Yeshua was buried in Israel, right? He was buried in a donated gravesite. But when some of his followers came to the gravesite, to the grave, the tomb was empty. He's not here. That's what an angel said. He's not here. Why are you seeking him here? The reason he wasn't there is because the grave couldn't hold him. And Yeshua's physical remains were gone. That's, that's unique. Joseph's remains did not disappear. When he died, he was embalmed. He was buried in a coffin in Egypt. And he said to, uh, to all those around him, take my bones with you, right? So his bones, his bones were still there. By the way, Lazarus' body was in the grave for some time. His remains did not disappear, right? Yeshua came to him, called him out, and he came out with all the stuff on him. I keep wondering how he... No, I'm not going to get into that. But Yeshua's body was raised from the dead, and it wasn't just his spirit. He died, and he was resurrected. His body was resurrected, and when he was resurrected, he was no longer in the grave. The body wasn't the same before he was glorified. But after he was resurrected, remember, he appeared again to many. And he ate, he drank, he talked, he listened, he walked, he cooked, he appeared, he ascended to heaven, and he was glorified. Now, I'm saying those first things so that you understand his body did bodily functions, he wasn't a ghost. He ate, he drank, he cooked. So Joseph, Moses, Yeshua, all three of these men led important lives. Their deaths were also important. Important enough that details about their deaths and their burials are included in the scriptures so that you and I know and so that we have background, and so that we can review them and learn about them ourselves. But what's clear is Yeshua's death was different because he was resurrected, leaving his grave empty. And those of us who trust Yeshua as our Messiah and Redeemer, we participate in resurrection life. We have been revived. Death has lost its grip on us, spiritual death and physical death. The grave won't be able to hold us either. Now, of course, we will die. We'll be buried. Our bodies will be buried, and we will wait for the future resurrection. But even right now, we can say, in him we live and move and have our being. And we can say that we were once dead in the spirit, but we're not dead anymore. So you can tell the person next to you, I'm not dead anymore. I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive again. Life from the dead is working now in the same way it was working in Ezekiel, but in a greater way. How so? Because of Yeshua. Our king, our teacher, our leader, our shepherd, our master, our priest, our savior, our redeemer, our rabbi, our Lord. He rose from the dead. He broke the grip of death. He broke the walls down that separate us. And so we can speak to the dead things around us in a way like Ezekiel did. When he understood that the Lord wanted to revive what was dead, he could speak life to the dead. And so that's what the Lord has called us to do, to speak life, to say, live to broken hearts that have given up on life, and and live to those whose lives are in bondage, and to those who are weak, and those who are sickly, and those who are diseased, and those who are barren, and those who are fruitless, and the impoverished, and the hopeless, the brokenhearted, the lost, the lonely, the lame, the hardened, the hated. This is the position we are to take as we wait for Shavuot, And as we are renewed with the Spirit and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so that being witnesses is not just telling a story, but it's bringing good news to those who need it most. Because there's more. The promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? We wait with expectation. We wait with faith. We wait with confidence. That's what we do. We're not neutral, and we're not indifferent, and we must not give in to despair about the condition of those who need to be revived. Look at the dead bones, and don't just give up. Receive from the Lord what he wants to do. So one last scripture. This will be our closing scriptures from Psalm 90. It was written by Moses. We'll look at just a few verses, Psalm 90, verses 12 through 17. Sandy shared the scripture with me this week. It's a prayer of hope and faith for those who have gone through difficulty. Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Verse 13. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Remember, this is Moses' prayer. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. Moses had experienced affliction and trouble His life wasn't easy, it was difficult. And he's saying to the Lord, count up all that stuff and then bless us with joy and gladness in at least equal measure. Verse 16, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is a great prayer. It's not a prayer that denies the difficulty, but it doesn't get lost in the difficulty. It seeks the future that God has in mind of restoration, of blessing, of life. Now, everyone will face a time when it's time to go, and many people know when it's time to go because something happens, and they, they know before God that their end is near, like Joseph. He knew, and so it wasn't time to pray that, you know, he would keep living. His end was near, and it's good to have a sense when your end is near. But when your end isn't near, it's good to have a sense of that too. And to allow the power of God through resurrection life to give you life for what's ahead. Maybe you've had some days of affliction or even years of trouble. That's what Moses experienced. He knew the hard times and he boldly prayed that the Lord would balance those times with times of blessing, joy, gladness, favor, and compassion. He was able to speak life and hope and favor to others, and we can too. First, we speak to ourselves, and we say, let hope be strong. Let expectation be strong. Let our faith be strong. We're waiting on you, Lord. Refresh us. Renew our strength. Speak to yourselves in this way, and then allow your confidence in Yeshua's resurrection to reshape your emotions and your thoughts and your 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 frame of mind and your expectations and to and to say to the Lord i'm counting on your unfailing love and your goodness and the years that are ahead and the days that are ahead let's keep our eyes fixed on Yeshua so that we can keep learning to be more and more like him and learn to serve him in a way that brings his light and his goodness into this broken world. That's our call. We won't bring it to completion. We will do our part. And our part includes our families and telling others who we love and care about and showing them real love. Even when they are unlovable, unlovable, apparently, or disappointing, or not believing for themselves what God will do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that when we were dead, in our unbelief, you raised us. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your empathy and your sympathy and your compassion and your mercy. And help us, Lord, to grow in all these qualities so that we can serve in a way that reveals your goodness and brings glory and honor to our Father in heaven. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.